0: I want to invite you all to open your Bibles to Ephesians this morning. If you're new, we have been walking through uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and today we have come to the last part of that letter in chapter 6. So we're talking today about principles of spiritual warfare from Ephesians 6, and we're going to Begin in verse 10 and walk through to the end of the letter. If you want to take notes as you go along, you can use the, the back of your bulletin. The outline is, is is there. Principles of spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, and let's pick it up there at the 10th verse, if you would follow along with, with me in your Bibles. The Apostle Paul says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything, to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make it known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant and the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we dig into this passage today, make us aware of the, the battle that rages all around us. There's, there's this unseen war that is happening all around us every day a spiritual war and we desperately need your strength we must have your armor to fight it and we know that you offer that to us help us to take it up and put it on and speak to us through this passage today as you equip us for battle it's in the name of jesus that we pray amen in the wee hours of june 6 1944 Thousands of allied paratroopers began dropping out of planes into the darkness over Nazi-occupied France. As the sun rose that day off the coast of of Normandy in the English Channel, there was the, the largest invading armada in history. And as the, the naval gunfire roared, thousands and thousands of, of allied soldiers began making their way through the breakers, through the, the, the waves. They faced withering German machine gun fire and artillery, uh, mines, barbed wire, but on they came. All day long, wave after wave after wave, until as the sun set on D Day, the Allies had established a firm beachhead in German occupied Europe, and Hitler's eventual doom was sealed. But between D Day, on June 6, 1944, and VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, on May 8, 1945, some of the toughest fighting of the war was going to occur. Because even though Hitler's eventual defeat was sealed on D-Day, he continued to fight. Even though his eventual doom was not in doubt, he cared nothing for his soldiers, nothing for the German people, and just wanted to cause as much damage and as much death and destruction as he possibly could. So even though the eventual outcome of the war was not in doubt, there were so many hard battles left to fight. And as Christians, that's like our situation in many ways. Because our enemy is a beaten enemy. Satan's eventual destination is not in doubt. Christ is risen. Christ is victorious. Christ is going to one day come again and utterly destroy evil forever. But until that day, we as Christians are involved in spiritual warfare. And so this passage gives us some principles for that warfare. So what do we see here? What principles do we see that can help us in spiritual warfare? The first thing we need to know is this. The strength you need is not yours. The strength you need is not yours. Let's look at verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord. And by his vast strength. Now, the tense here, when he says be strengthened, really carries the meaning of of be continually strengthened. In other words, this is not a matter of being strengthened once and then kind of living off of that. This is about being continually strengthened. And who is the source of our strength? He says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Don't think for a moment that you have the strength to fight this battle on your own. New Testament scholar William Klein says this, we are strong as we allow ourselves to be continually strengthened by God. So the strength that you need is not yours. Second principle, the enemy you face is not human. The enemy you face is not human. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Many people scoff at the, at the idea of a, of a real literal devil. <laughs> the, the late great Supreme Court Justice Antonine Scalia was once doing an interview with a journalist and he had spoken about his Christian faith And he mentioned, I even believe in the devil. And this journalist looked at him kind of sideways and she said, you do? (laughs) And Justice Scalia did not hold back. He said, you're looking at me as though I'm weird. Are you so out of touch with most of America, most of which believes in the devil? I mean, Jesus Christ believed in the devil. You travel in circles that are so, so removed from mainstream America, that you are appalled that anybody would believe in the devil. Most of mankind has believed in the devil for all of history. Many more intelligent people than you or me have believed in the devil. Have you read the Screwtape Letters? <laughs> well, I hope you've read the screw Tape Letters. If you have not, I commend them to you because in the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis takes a brilliant and fascinating and insightful look at spiritual warfare. Screwtape Letters revolves around letters that are written by a a, a senior demon named Screwtape to a junior demon named Wormwood. And and it's basically all about how they can, they're they're focused on this young guy that's in danger of becoming a Christian. And so their letters are all about how they can trip him up all of their schemes, all of their tactics about how they can keep him away from, uh, from, from, from Christ. And it's, it's kind of a brilliant look at exactly what Paul is talking about here in verse 11 when he talks about the, the schemes of the, the devil. The, the Greek word there is uh, methodeos, or it's where we get methods from. Okay, the, 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 the methods, the tactics, the strategies, the schemes of the devil. Our Our enemy is no cartoonish figure. in horns and a pitchfork and red pajamas. He is a supernatural. A supernatural person of evil and highly intelligent. And, according to verse 12, has a whole army of, of, of layers of demonic powers, principalities and powers that he deploys against us. And his schemes are tailored. They are tailored to each one of us. They are tailored to each one of us. They are tailored against every local church. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how you, you, are, you, you are best tempted. He knows how to, how to, how to discourage you how to distract you, how to steal your joy in Christ. He, he knows how to sow discord, how to uh, pit people in, against one another, how to cause problems in relationships, whether it's husband and wife or parents and kids or, 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 or between friends or within the church. And he's had thousands of years to to work on his his schemes of evil. But he is not God. Our enemy, unlike our God, is not omnipotent. Only God is all-powerful. Neither Satan nor any of his demons are any match for our God. So what should we do? Draw close to God. Put on the full armor of God. And that brings us to the third principle. The stand you take is an armor. The stand you take is an armor. Let's look at verse 13. For this reason take up the full armor of god so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand that word stand is key we saw it in verse 11 we see it again in verse 14. andrew lincoln in his commentary on ephesians says this to stand involves standing firm holding one's position Resisting, not surrendering to the opposition, but prevailing against it. Well, how do we do that? We put on the full armor of God. Now, the metaphor of armor that Paul is using here comes from the armor that Roman soldiers would wear in the first century. It's hard for us even to imagine the power of the Roman army in the first century Greco-Roman world it was absolutely dominant and and when they were locked and loaded and ready for battle the, their array was something to behold so that's where paul is taking this metaphor of armor and the first piece that he tells us about here in verse 14 is the is the belt the, the belt of truth stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. So in ancient times, these soldiers were wearing tunics. And so their belt was what they would use to kind of like bring bring it all together, bring that kind of flowing tunic together. And a soldier trying to, to fight without a belt that had kind of cinched everything up, it would be like, The equivalent today would be like a soldier trying to fight uh, with this pants falling down. We live in a culture today where spiritual and intellectual pants are falling down because we do not believe in the truth. We hear people talking and especially in the past couple of years i hear this more and more people talking about you know you've got to live your truth or they talk about my truth i'm living my truth you live your truth as if you know whatever you believe is fine it's all going to work out as long as you are sincere about what you believe that is a lie from the pit of hell What we desperately need is not my truth or your truth. What we desperately need is the truth. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We put on the belt of truth. Second, the breastplate of righteousness. He says also in verse 14, that we put on, put on righteousness like armor on your chest. The breastplate that uh, Roman soldiers would wear covered their heart. It covered their lungs. It was made of metal. Our breastplate is not made out of metal or Kevlar. It's a breastplate. Of righteousness as those who have been made right with God through the work of Christ as those who have had the the righteousness of Christ credited to our account now we are to live lives of righteousness and by the way who gets to define righteousness who gets to determine what is right and what is wrong what is true and what is false what is moral and what is immoral it is God God defines what righteousness is and what unrighteousness is. He defines that in his word. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then in in, in verse 15, he talks about our footwear. (laughs) He says, have have your feet sandaled with with readiness for the gospel of peace. Now, we don't usually think of the, the, the shoes as a big part, an important part, of the soldiers' armor, but it was absolutely a huge part of what they had to do because they had to march for long distances, they had to move quickly in battle. And historians tell us that the Roman government spared no expense when it came to their soldiers' footwear. Our footwear, Paul says, is readiness. Readiness. Your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel. What this means is that we are to be ready to share the gospel. It means that our feet take us to people who need to hear the gospel. Whether it's the friend that you work with or that you go to school with. Or whether it's someone across the the sea thousands of miles away, it means that we are to be ready to move, ready to go, ready for our feet to take us to people who need the Lord. Listen, for every single person who is sitting here today, there's a whole web of relationships that you have. And many, many people within the web of your relationships, family and friends, Do not know Christ. This means that we are to be ready, ready to go and be sharing with them, inviting them. It means that you're you're praying for them to be here and be sitting beside you and ready to share the gospel with them. Are you ready? Are your feet taking you to people who need the Lord? That's the point here. The next part of the armor is the shield which he talks about in verse 16. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Roman soldiers in the first century carried a shield that was made of two layers of laminated wood. And on the outside, the shield was was covered with a, a thick coating of leather. And that was so that when flaming arrows, that was a tactic in the in the first century of kind of dipping arrows and pitch and lighting them and so they would shoot these flaming arrows uh back and forth if you've ever seen the movie gladiator the opening scene of gladiator um captures captures this in a powerful way and my son and i when he he was growing up we must have watched gladiator a hundred times And if we didn't watch the whole movie, Caleb definitely wanted to see the opening scene of Gladiator. Because you see these flaming arrows, they're going back and forth. But if, if the shield was properly held up, the flaming arrows would hit the shield and be quenched. They would be snuffed out. Be aware that your enemy is shooting flaming arrows at you all day long. He knows just which ones to shoot. But the way that we snuff them out is to immediately take whatever it is, take whatever it is to God and trust him. Trust him. It means that every flaming arrow that comes your way, instead of allowing that to penetrate, you take that to the Lord immediately. And you trust him with that. You exercise your faith 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. The next part of the armor is one where we go on the offensive It's not a defensive piece of armor. This is very much a killing weapon. And it's the sword of the Spirit, which we see in verse 17. Take the the helmet of salvation, right? So you've got to know who you are in Christ, as we've talked about again and again in Ephesians. You put on the helmet of salvation, knowing that you belong to the Lord. And so when he comes at you, Remind him of who you are. Put on the helmet of salvation and remind him you are a child of God. You are a son or daughter of the king. It's putting on the helmet of salvation that keeps him out of your head. So you put on the helmet of salvation and then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of of God. Now the sword here was kind of the short Dagger like sword that these soldiers would carry, and it's what they would use in hand-to-hand combat. And we need a killing weapon in this fight. And and, and the sword that we wield as believers is the word of God. The Spirit works through the Word so wield the word of God against the enemy. How do you do that? You know it. Know it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate it. Speak it. And it will do its work. Charles Spurgeon once said, you know, you don't really have to defend the the word of God. The word of God's like a lion. You let it out of its cage, it'll take care of itself. Take up the sword of God. The spirit, which is the word of, of God. So now, Paul is going to begin to talk about prayer. And we tend to think, when we read this passage, I did it first, first time I read it, was that, you know, well, Paul's talking about the armor of God, but then that, in, that ends in verse 17, and, and then he, he begins to just talk about something different. He's talking about prayer, but no, no. Verse 18 does not begin a new section. In fact, in Greek, it doesn't even begin a new sentence. It's all tied together. Because prayer is our wartime walkie-talkie. This is how we communicate with headquarters. And in spiritual warfare, we desperately need prayer. We've got to be in communication with headquarters. And he says here in verse 18, to pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. A prayerless Christian should be an oxymoron. Contradiction in terms. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. And then Paul says, I want you to pray for me. And specifically, he wants them to pray for boldness. Verses 19 and 20. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Oh, how we need boldness. Most of us are way too timid when it comes to sharing the gospel. And we commit the sin of silence when we need to be speaking up about Christ. The enemy wants you to clam up. God's called you to speak up with the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. We need boldness. Now, this last section, it, as Paul finishes the letter, is just so warm. And so personal. Look at verses twenty-one and twenty-two. He says, "Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all about all the news about me, so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason—to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts." So Tychicus was the was the guy who was delivering this letter the letter to the Ephesians, he had the task of of visiting Paul in prison and taking this letter from his hands and safely delivering it to the church at Ephesus. I mean, think about that task. But in a way, you and I are entrusted with that task, right? Because God has given us his word. He's entrusted us with the word of the gospel. And now our task is to deliver that, to deliver that to the people who need to hear it. And notice what else he says here about Tychicus. He says, he says we're sending him, in verse 22, to encourage your hearts. Each of us is called to play the role of encourager in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, when you're around brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the things you should be thinking about is how can I encourage this person? How can I come alongside an encouragement? Verses 23 and 24 Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus? I'm not asking if you know facts about Jesus. I'm asking you, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Have you repented of your sins and placed your trust in Christ and come to know him in a personal way so that you understand his love for you and you respond in love for him. We love because he first loved us. Do you love him? Do you love the Lord Jesus? I love what Tony Marita says. Let us love Jesus. Soon we will see him, and then we will put our weapons down. Then we will not regret having put all our trust in his perfect work, and we will not regret having been faithful soldiers engaged in his mission. Let's pray. Father, we, we confess to you that so often we have tried to fight this battle in our own strength. Because of our pride. Pride. Lord, may we humble ourselves and put on the full armor of God. Lord, you you have given us everything that we need in this battle. May we turn to you and rely upon you and put on the armor that you have supplied. As we continue to pray, listen, I would, I would ask you again, do you love Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know him? Have you come to experience him in a, a personal love relationship that's life-changing? Turn to him today. Trust him today. Put your faith in him. As a believer, what part of the armor do you especially need to put on? Commit that to the Lord right now. And so, Father, we, we pray that you would help us to put on the armor that you have given us and to stand in this battle. Until you come or until we go to be with you, whichever comes first. Help us to fight the good fight every day. In the name of Jesus that we pray, Amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need now and for all eternity. As someone once said, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in His finished work for me. In His name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12. To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as His beloved child, His very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it, begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer, and find a church family where Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.